right, good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship <coughs> Excuse me, Center. And uh, we'll be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Warmack. And we're going to be in chapter 8 tonight, uh, Is This the One? That's the title of the chapter, so we'll look at that in a little more detail in just a minute. So just so you know, all of our Bible studies are archived on our, our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we just thank you again for all of our partners who have supported us financially through our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our mailing address, which is also available there as well. But anyway, um, so like I said, we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority. We're in chapter 8. That's the title of the book, and that's the title of the chapter is This is the One. And we'll be looking at that uh, again just, just in a second here. But, you know, we've been talking about the Believer's Authority. We as believers have authority. We're not necessarily talking about spiritual warfare, even though that can be included in here, as, as oftenly, as commonly and popularly taught. But we're talking about as believers, we have authority. And we've been talking, and we're going to continue <coughs> on, that, on that topic of, you know, God gave authority to man. When God created the heavens and earth, he gave dominion to man. And he didn't get, Satan didn't have dominion. Satan was Lucifer. He deceived Eve. Adam rebelled. And we went through the fall. Mankind. And through that whole process of whatnot, Adam gave that authority to Satan. And Satan, even then, you know, and he got crisis redeemed that back, yes. But Satan doesn't have a body. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipresent. He's not all-powerful like God. He's a basically a, an angel. <laughs> angel of light, yes, but angels don't have authority. Yes, he became the God of this world, the God of this age, through the fall. But even then, and, and, and especially now through, through the new covenant, he does not have authority without a body. As Andrews has <coughs> Excuse me, as we have taught in previous chapters, even an ant has more authority on this earth than, than Satan does. Why? Because they have a physical body. Not a human body, but a physical one here on this earth. But Satan, how does Satan work? He works through deception. He works through influencing us and seducing us like he deceived Eve. He gives us the question, did God really say like he did deceive Eve? He gives us the question, God. He gives us the trust in ourselves and not God. He gives us the two things in the flesh and not by the Spirit. And we've been talking about a lot of different things, so we're going to be continuing. <coughs> Excuse me, on that thought here in this chapter, is this the one? I know that sounds like a little strange title, but we'll get into that in just a minute. And so anything you have to share at the beginning? Okay, so we're just going to jump right into it. Sherry's going to read for us, and then we're going to talk about it. When Jamie and I first started out in the ministry, we really struggled financially. Occasionally, I'd work odd jobs to help make ends meet. One day, I came home from a painting job feeling so sick that I could hardly stand up. I just wanted to lie down on the couch and rest. Jamie was in the kitchen fixing me lunch. When she saw me on the couch, she asked, What are you doing? I feel sick. I don't know if I can eat anything. We had already been teaching other believers these same truths we've mentioned so far. 
you have to use your body to you have to use your body to quit yielding to the devil. Don't cooperate with him. Do the very thing that you don't feel like doing. Resist the devil and fight against him with your physical actions. James 4, 7. Jamie came right over and got me up off that couch. She put my arm around her shoulder and started dragging me through the house saying, We need the money. You will go back to that job. You're healed. She made me get up and start acting healed. She just forced me to practice what I've been preaching. Praise God, in 10 minutes, I was over it and felt well again. I went back to work and got paid that day. The night before I was to be ordained into the ministry, I hurt my back opening our broken garage door. We were living in Segoville, Texas at the time. As I bent over and started lifting up the garage door, it got caught and something just popped in my back. The pain that immediately shot through my body was so excruciating that it knocked me to the ground. My one-year-old son had been watching me. I told him, go tell mommy, but he just sat there jabbering at me. Eventually, he wandered into the house and brought Jamie out. When she saw me lying there, I hurt so bad that all I could do was whisper, I hurt my back. Well then, get up. Jamie pulled me up, prayed over me, and said, now you act on the word of God. Again, we need me to be able to work, so she cut me no slack. I started doing things with my physical body. My shoulder blades were back so far they were touching each other. The pain was excruciating, but I forced myself to do things I didn't feel like doing. Finally, over a day's period of time, I got to where I could do sit-ups and other things. Although my movement had returned, my shoulders were still pulled back. I went to bed that night and woke up the day I was scheduled to be ordained. My shoulders were still pulled back, but I just kept fighting it all day long. Right before I went to my ordination service, I declared, I am going to act healed. I am going there, and I will be ordained. By the time I arrived at church, I was healed. My actions played a major part in receiving and manifesting that healing. You can't lie in bed acting sick and at the same time release the supernatural power of God. You must learn how to use your physical body to resist the devil and cooperate with the Lord. If you don't step out in faith and act on the word, you'll limit God. James 2.20 So, you know, Andrew's introducing some uh, new principles here that some people have not, never have considered a win that. And then, some, on the other hand, some other people can also go into a works performance where we're trying to make it happen. Andrew was not trying to make it happen, but he was going to receive his healing. He was going to receive his, his uh, miracle, if you will. And Jamie was all, all for it as well. You know, you can't make something happen that God hasn't already provided to the cross. God has provided healing and wholeness to the cross. So Andrew's, Andrew and his reactions are it's not the source of that grace. Grace is, healing is God's grace. Miracle is God's grace. We put faith in that grace. <coughs> and if we have faith in that grace, there's going to be a corresponding action. And where he, and I like how he said it here, um, I was here, my actions played a major part in receiving and manifesting the healing. His actions were not the source of that healing. His action did play a major part, though, in the receiving and the manifestation of that healing. You know, Jesus told many people, get, pick up your bed and walk. You know, uh, 
And Peter and James did that. Or Peter and John, in the name of Jesus, pick up your bed and walk. They did that. I guess may I give that to Jesus. But Jesus has done, done, done the same in, 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 in other instances. You know, and I know this is a new truth, and we're, we're not trying to make believe that we are healed. No, we are acting who we are. We are commanding our bodies coming to alignment to the Word of God. And I know this sounds foreign to people to think we're just a bunch of nuts. Well, even with Andrew, he's got two testimonies to prove it. Now, there have been times where I felt like I had a scratchy throat or something coming on and my immune system was down or whatnot. I would drink some orange juice or whatnot. But I would also just be commanding that body, you're not going to get sick. You're not going to get sick. You're going to be well. And I went about my day working as if I was well. I'm not going to claim that sickness. I'm going to claim my healing. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it, and that sounds like a, you know, when I name it, claim it to other people. No, but if you've been following my messages, <coughs> excuse me, on Sunday morning, there we have the spirit of faith, and this, that spirit of faith speaks. First Corinthians four thirteen. You know, it is voice activated, but we're not the source of that grace. We're not the source of our healing. We are responding in faith to what we believe. Faith without works is dead. James one twenty, I think it is. Um, but you know. Uh, we're not we're not responding to prove. <coughs> let me say it this way: we're not responding in faith. We're not acting in faith to prove that we have faith. No, we are responding because we have faith. You know, there was a time, and I have picked on Sherry on this before, but this was back in uh, I want to say somewhere in uh, two thousand nine ish. Uh, time period in our lives where we had lost everything and and at this moment we still were on the verge of losing everything we still had our jobs at this point we had already lost our home we were, we technically had lost our car but we were dri still driving it with a uh, expired registration and we finally read it the rest and we realized you know we can't keep going to our jobs if we're gonna keep the only way to keep going to our jobs was to keep driving the car that had expired registration so uh, you know, uh, either we drive illegally and keep our jobs, or we don't drive at all and we lose our jobs. And that's what it came down to. Because our jobs were 40 miles away from where we were staying, even though that was not our home. We had lost our home. And so we were in a very difficult situation. And, and we had just begun to get hold of some of Andrew's teachings. And this was actually the first book I got a hold of. And I don't think Sherry started reading these yet, and, but uh, I was, and I was trying to relate some of the things I was learning. Anyway, we were driving to work one one morning, again, it's about a 40-mile drive to where we had to go. You know, we both were not in the best attitudes, and murmuring, complaining about our situation. But uh, we were talking about faith, we are talking about believing God, and all of a sudden I look over to the passenger seat, I'm driving, and Sherry's just like, and I'm like, what are you doing? Because whatever you're doing, don't do it here. You know, type of thing. And I'm, you know, but that's just my thoughts. And she just told me, and I, you know, I love the transparency of her heart, but she's just like, I'm trying to believe. And that's what it caught me. I'm like, faith. Faith is definitely not that. But that's all we knew. That's all she knew at the time. We didn't know how to make this thing work. We understood that we needed to have faith and walk in faith and not in unbelief, but we didn't know how it worked. 
And even though she was kind of illustrating it, it's a lot how we, we both felt. And we, I think a lot of us have felt that same way. We're trying to make it happen. We're trying to believe like it's going to come out of our pores or something. You know, um, it doesn't work that way. And if you are well, then act well. Be who you are. Pick up your bed and walk, so to speak. <coughs> Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus and Peter walked on the water. You know, I don't know if he tiptoed onto the water. He just went on a full straw. You know, but he just started walking on the water. He did something you and I have never done. And so, at the same point in time, you know, he took a step of faith. You know, once he went, you know, and it was still, you know, he didn't even ask for the storm to be, be you know, the, way, the storm to be quiet. So the waves were still raging. You know, I mean, even on a good day, I've never seen the ocean, some of you may have in certain parts of the world. But here in Southern California, I've never seen the ocean stand, stand perfectly still like a glass sea. You know, it's still moving. You know, and even then, water, you know, a lot of time I tried to walk on water, I sank in a millisecond. And so, my point being, is that Peter acted out what he believed. He walked in water. Jesus told him to feed the multitudes. And they began to distribute the, the, the bread and the fish after he gave thanks. And as they distributed it, it, it multiplied. It's the same concept. It's just different scenarios. It's just different situations. <coughs> if Peter casting out the net and into the deep and casting on the other side of the boat or launching out the deep and let down the net for a catch. He'd been fishing all night. <coughs> All night, he was tired, he was discouraged, he knew he didn't fish at the end of the day, he fished at night, but Jesus was in his boat, and he told him to do it. And he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll cast down the net. He didn't get the fish until he cast down the net. You know, he, he did what Jesus told him to do. Well, God says, by his stripes you're healed. My God says that he, he will give you the power to get well, to Deuteronomy, I forget the, the reference, I think it's chapter 8. But anyway, um, but there's other scriptures about God will bless the work of my hands. He, I'm blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. I mean, I could talk about all kinds of different scriptures and promises, and we either believe it or we don't. And if we believe it, then we're going to, we're not, not going to do it to prove that we believe, we're going to do it because we do believe. I believe I am born again. I believe I am saved. I believe I have put on the new man who's created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So if I believe I'm righteous and holy, then I'm going to act righteous and holy. I'm not going to do righteous and holy things to become righteous and holy. No, I'm going to live righteous and holy because I am righteous and holy. I'm going to act healed because I am healed. Because by his stripes, I am healed. And I just want to piggyback on what Dave said. I know Andrew's just starting out, but don't get it in your head that it's a magic formula by saying or doing something. You have to believe. All the healing testimonies out there, people quoting scripture and everything, they believed it first and then they started speaking it because they wanted it to be louder than what was going on in their lives. And even Andrew, you know, he talks about how, you know, Jamie prayed for him those two times. <coughs> uh, but uh, 
in, in one part, Andrew had said, we had already been teaching other believers these same truths we've mentioned so far. You don't teach on something you don't believe. You don't, you don't teach someone and, and like not, you know, put it into to practice or, or believe. Um, it, he said that she just forced me to practice what I've been preaching. And then there was another, the other time, she said, now you act on the word of God when she prayed over his back. And again, both Jamie and Andrew believed this and they were teaching it. And now it's time to live it out, to put it into to practice what you preach. And so they weren't, they weren't going to just uh, have other people do it. But, uh, you know, I know Andrew quotes the James verse, uh, where did he put it? Uh, James 4, 7, about resisting the devil. But it all starts with submitting to God. And submitting to God is believing him, believing him on his word, at his word. He did it. He paid the price of the, the cross for us. And if we believe in our heart, you know, and confess with our mouth, it all goes back to that believing. Uh, you, you know, that name it and claim it, or the, hey, if I say it so many times, I'm going to get it. No. You know, I, I can say I have chocolate ice cream, and I want chocolate ice cream. I'm going to have chocolate ice cream. Well, guess what? We don't have chocolate ice cream in this house. Not in our freezer. We have to go to the store. But I can say it all I want, but just saying it, I mean, I don't believe it because I know it's in my freezer. And I know that's probably a stupid example, but you have to believe the Word of God to be able to stand on it and to uh, to act on it. And it's not, again, it's not performance-based. It's believing-based. Faith, I think Dave quoted already, faith without works is dead. It's not saying, it's not focused on the works. You, you, you have to have that faith, that belief, to be able to act on it. You know, I'm going to be teaching this Sunday about the law of faith. And, you know, some people think, well, aren't we free from the law? Yeah, I'm not talking about the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, whatnot. I'm talking about, there's some New Testament laws. There's the royal law of love, there's the perfect law of liberty, there's a, and there's the spirit of life, life and, uh, uh, I can't quote it right now from Romans chapter 8, verse 2. I can read the verse, but I can't quote the, the rest of the verse. But we have the spirit of life. We also, the law of spirit of life. We have the, the law of faith. And the law of faith, and how do these New Testament laws work? Well, it's just like gravity. There's natural laws. There's a law <coughs> of gravity. Probably the most popular one that we usually use for example. You know, the, a law, a natural law, works for everybody everywhere, all the time. And so, it doesn't have to respect your persons. <coughs> whether you are a mouse, or whether you are a human, or an elephant, the law of gravity will work for you. The law of gravity works for birds. If they don't fly, if they don't flap their wings properly, if they don't have the weathers and the right mechanisms and the muscles to, to exercise those wings, they will fall to the ground. You know, everything, 
And gravity works for everybody. Well, faith works for everybody, everywhere, all the time. You just have to cooperate with those laws. So, you know, Sherry mentioned we're not teaching the formula. In one sense, we're not, but in one sense, we are. The formula is the same, that you hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and act on the gospel. You know, you believe the word of God, <coughs> excuse me, they heard the word of God, they believe the word of God, and they were baptized. You know, it's, 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 you, re, you believe in the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit, and you begin to speak in tongues. It just, uh, I mean, it's the same, if you want, there's a formula. And it's the same for everybody. And I, and I don't like using the word formula, that's why I agree with Sherry, but at the same point in time, if you want a formula, <coughs> you can't put, you put faith in His grace. It's not just grace and no faith. You are not the source of grace. You are not the source of healing. Your provision. Your your answer. Your prayer. At the same point in time, unless you have faith in His grace, that that, that prayer, that faith of grace, will not be manifested. It's grace and faith. And and we also have the law of faith. Isn't it? And the law of faith. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Um, it, it, it just uh, the law of faith works the same. So as long as you cooperate with that law, it will work. And what's that law? Well, you know, so many people put faith in their faith. I'm not putting my faith in my faith. I put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in His Word that He says, "By His stripes I am healed." So anything you want to add? And and it and it goes back to that. You know, God provided salvation for everybody. But everyone isn't saved. You have to believe and receive what Jesus did. It, 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 otherwise, you know, what, what's the point of anything if everyone was already saved and going to heaven? And hopefully I'm making sense, but God provided. He's given us freely all things, but we have to believe and receive it we can't just I mean the, the banks the banks in the United States if you added up all the money in every single one I'm sure billions of dollars but I can't just sit back and say okay well that's my money it's not I have to actually go to the bank where I bank that has my bank account that has my money in it and I have to do, if I want to withdraw money, I have to ask for it, like at an ATM or something. With God, He's freely given us all things, but we have to believe and receive. And, you know, I remember Mark and Denise Abernathy, probably the first time I ever, yeah, it was the first time I ever saw them and, and heard their their ministry, their teaching uh, on the Holy Spirit, but they were ministering at an open house at our Bible college, at Karis Bible College in, in California. And uh, Denise was giving away some of their products, some of their teaching and, and, and different things. And she, she had held up one and she's like, who wants this? And everyone around the room was like, I want it, I want it, I want it. But no one was getting it. She wasn't giving it to anybody. And she was making a point, and it, and, it, and it hit me, and I actually 
ran up to her and says, okay, you know, this is what she probably wants. She wants someone to come up and get it. But she she was taller, uh, longer arms, so I couldn't reach it. So I went back to my seat without it, uh, without realizing I had to do more than just go up to her. And um, that it, it's not that God's holding something out of our reach. We just have to believe and receive it and not just sit on the couch saying, okay, God, where is it? It, it should be in the mail, but the mailman came. It's not in my mailbox. That's, that's not how it works. You have to actively receive it. Yeah, there was something you said that I was going to comment on now. I lost, lost it. So over that afternoon, I just kicking in here. Um, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, I have to let it come back to me. Um, it was before that, uh, I didn't have enough story, which was really good. Andrew did the same type of thing at, at the Bible college, and he held up his car keys, and he said, who wants my car? And finally a student came up and grabbed the keys. You know? Ashley Barrett is. And, and so, you know, it's, it's the same concept. You know, we, God's provided it. We just need to receive it. You know, uh, um, God's not playing games with us. He's just, it's, it's the fact is that it's, it's for everybody. And so everyone can receive it. Or I think this was what I was going to say. If Jesus provided for it, if, if God promised it, if it's in the atonement and Jesus paid for it, you have every biblical right to receive it. God's provided healing. He provided provision. He provided wisdom. He's provided peace. He's provided the fruit of the Spirit. He's provided many things. And it says in Romans 8, excuse me, I think it's verse 11, maybe it's 31, if he who did not withhold the Son, how will he not also freely give us all things? I'm going to be using the scripture from Mark 11 this week on uh, Sunday morning. Whatever so you desire, when you ask, uh, I can't quote it right now, but believe it and you shall receive it. Whatsoever you desire, what do you want? Believe that you have it and it's yours. I didn't say that. The Word of God says that. Now, you don't have to believe me, but believe the word of God and we just need to receive it you know I believe I'm blessed I believe this church is blessed I believe our marriage and our family is blessed I believe that our car our bodies and are blessed I believe our businesses are, are blessed I believe we are blessed and we are not cursed and so uh, you know one person I really dislike and uh, uh, along these lines is Alasa Purdue. I mean, he just talks faith all the time over himself, his church, his family. Uh, you know, he blesses stuff and he is doing well. You know, I uh, talked about some, on Sundays, you know, uh, again, I, I think I already mentioned it, but we have the spirit of faith and stuff where we will speak. We need to speak what God says. And, uh, and Andrew was doing that over his physical body. <coughs> he started seeing some manifestations, but his shoulder blades still were not lined up. And he was going to go get ordained. And he said, I am going to get ordained. And between him saying it, between him actually arriving at the place to get ordained, he was completely healed. 
He said, the woman would issue blood, and if I will just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. And so, anyway, there, it just, there's so much, I'm going to be talking about this in a lot more detail on Sunday morning, uh, this Sunday. But. And, and to piggyback on the, the believing and receiving part, I'm sure you all know the story of the prodigal son, and you could probably maybe even teach or quote uh, it. But we all know that the, the younger son went out and he wasted his inheritance. He came to the end of himself. He said, if I could just come back to my father's house, at least I could at least be a servant and, and eat uh, food, even if I have to be a servant. And he came back, the father welcomed him, gave him, you know, the, 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 the ring and the sandals and the robe of, you know, being his own son. And, and you know, he had the, the, uh, a feast prepared. But what I'm bringing out is actually the older son. The older son didn't waste his inheritance. He, he stayed there. He, he was, you know, uh, submitted unto his father's authority he and he was like dad you've never you've never you know had a feast for me and my friends you know you're you're doing this all for my brother when you know what do I get and the father said son you're you're always with me and all that I have is yours he was basically telling his older son you know you have just come and, and you had the right to to have a feast or have part of your inheritance you know it was already yours but the older son uh had the wrong mindset he was thinking he had to perform right and, and do right when the, the father was like look it's already all i have is yours you know you uh it's like god saying to us hey i already provided this feast for you you just have to come at the to the table and eat Oh, very good, very good. You know, fathers just don't realize, first of all, we don't even realize uh, what we have, what's ours. It's like the older prodigal, like she said, and, and some of us, uh, you know, we just don't even know we have this authority that we can, uh, can exercise it. Uh, and, but we can, and it's ours, and it works. And that's one thing I'm going to be mentioning uh, Sunday, you know, this faith works, and it's not the work, and it's actually, and I'm going to be right now, it's already working. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be bringing that up more this Sunday. Um, so let's read a little bit more. We've got a little bit more time. We've seen that God is a spirit and that he gave dominion over this earth to physical human beings. Genesis 1, 26-28. In doing so, he limited his own dominion and authority. If we don't cooperate with God, we can limit him. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, 41. Yes, we can limit God. Jesus dealt with this in his own hometown. He could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. Mark 6, 5 and 6. It's not that Jesus didn't want to. He couldn't do any mighty work because of their unbelief. Even the Lord Jesus Christ had to have cooperation from people to release his power into their lives. Religion says God is sovereign. He controls everything. No, he doesn't. God is sovereign in the sense that he's king of kings. 
but he doesn't control everything that happens on the earth. God isn't limited in the sense that he doesn't have the power. He has the power, but he gave dominion over this earth to physical human beings. Because of his own integrity, he will not overstep that authority and violate his own word. Therefore, God has limited his own sovereignty, his own ability to intervene in the affairs of man here on the earth. Until he became a physical being himself, he didn't have the authority to come down to this earth and straighten out the mess man had created. So this whole teaching on the sovereignty of God, I know some people don't like that, but uh, uh, what we teach on this, but you know, it's, a, it's just a, God is sovereign in the sense that he's king of kings, like Andrew said, but he does not control, he does not micromanage everything. If he does, he is violating his own word. Uh, he, that is not how, first of all, that's not sovereignty. That's a dictator. Uh, and, and that's other things. Uh, but uh, that's not how sovereignty works. That's not how God works. God does not do everything. You know, Dwayne Sheriff one time was teaching, uh, he used to be a Methodist pastor. He's not now, but he was teaching. And one Sunday he made a statement that there's some things that God cannot do. And that didn't cause any small stir in that church. And he was called upon. Basically, almost the whole congregation uh, responded to that in a negative way. And <coughs> he didn't have a revelation of everything he has now. But, so he apologized and, re and, and recanted that statement. But then he came back the next week and he came out back to me in Boulder and said, No, there are things that God cannot do. God cannot lie. God cannot sin. God cannot do evil. God cannot violate his own word. And the list goes on and on. There's some things God cannot do. And God's given us authority. He's not going to violate his own word doing something he told us to do. Okay? God is king. He is our master. He's God. You, are, you and I are not God. But God, our master, gave us authority. He gave us responsibility. And as a Spider-Man movie once told me, with great power comes great responsibility. And so, you know, we have power. And yet, at the same point in time, when we have unbelief, we limit God. God can't not. Jesus had to have the cooperation of belief and faith. He couldn't do anything. Jesus was not all-powerful in that. that he could, he was, he, he was all-powerful, but he couldn't violate the word of God. He couldn't operate when there's no faith. <coughs> Nobody can, even God, can't operate when there's no faith. You know, and we don't see that God doesn't have faith. God does have faith. But God gave, in his faith, God gave authority to man. Uh, and so, over the earth. But when, when we unbelief, when we're walking in unbelief, God is limited and we are limiting ourselves. And we can be like the Israelites. We can be like... Uh, the people of Nazareth that, that, re, that were recorded from in Jesus' hometown who God can't do many works because of unbelief. As Andrew would teach in other teachings, it's not usually a faith problem that most of us struggle with. It's usually an unbelief problem that most of us struggle. We usually have faith. We just need faith the size of a mustard seed. But we have, most of us have unbelief the size of Texas. You know, I mean, it just, uh, it's huge, and so we have to counter that unbelief. And uh, anyway, anything with that? And you know, 
it, it, it's hard for some of us to realize that yes God is sovereign and that he's king of kings but a lot of people get frustrated at God because they they pray and they think they're doing all the right things but they their actions basically are like they're expecting God to be like a genie in a bottle or Santa Claus by saying God, I need this. I, I want you to do this. Why aren't you doing this? And then they get frustrated. God, you're not answering my prayers. I, I want this. I, I need this. Please, I'm devastated. I need you to act and do something. And they're trying to rub that, 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 that genie lamp and trying to get their three wishes. And then they get frustrated that it's not working. When in reality... It's, it's already done. God has provided everything through his son on the cross. Jesus went to the cross, died a brutal death for us, and he paid. He took all of our debt, all of our sin, uh, all of our uh, estrangement from God, and he paid for it. He didn't just do a down payment. He didn't just pay the taxes. He paid once and for all. He actually overpaid and paid so in full that we might become that in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 21 it says he made him so God made him Jesus who knew no sin Jesus didn't know any sin but he made Jesus sin so that we could become the righteousness of God he made us new creations he took everything he reversed the curse he, he paid for our sickness he, he paid for our our sin and he didn't just pay for it he crucified our sin and he paid for our salvation so that we would have right relationship with right relationship with God he paid so that we would have that abundant life and and that Zoe life of God and if you study out that uh, Arthur Menchez is uh, really good about teaching about the Zoe life of God. That fullness of God, our creator, what uh, he has, his fullness, he's given to us. And we, we've been so limited in our thinking to think that, you know, we just have horrible lives or we're not going to attain or get, you know, whatever it is we need survival when he paid for everything he didn't just you know uh, say you know there's a trash can see if you can find a crust of bread you know to get by he said no you know look I mean if there's a heavenly grocery store that had every single fruit vegetable meat candy whatever people get at the grocery store he's basically saying this is yours. Look at the table I've spread for you. Any uh, food that you need, any uh, anything you need for life and godliness, I've provided for you. You just have to, to come and, and use it to partake of it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, indirect. God himself operates within these laws of authority. He will not violate his own word. Because we live in a culture today where authority isn't a big issue, 
These truths can be hard to comprehend. People basically don't submit themselves to authority. They only do what they are forced and demanded to do, but they don't recognize authority. People violate authority all the time. I don't mean this in a critical way, but the younger generation as a whole doesn't respect authority the way the older generation does. They've been raised in such a way that they believe they can get away with anything. They see little wrong with cheating. They aren't submitted to authority. They think as long as they don't get caught, everything is fine. That's absolutely wrong. All of life is based on authority. I teach our Karis Bible College students that you have to earn the right to speak into someone's life. You have to gain their respect before they'll let you minister to their heart. This works on every level. One reason so much of what's called evangelism today isn't very effective is that it's disrespectful and offensive. Some Christians just walk up to a stranger, stick a religious track in their faith and say, you're going to hell, repent. Then they try to coerce that person to submit to them and pray a prayer. However, they haven't even had the common courtesy to introduce themselves or ask, How are you? How is your day going? These so-called evangelists just come up and get right in people's faces. That is absolutely wrong. I don't have a lot of comment here. I think Andrew's kind of, you know, speaks for himself here, you know. You know, you do have to have the right to speak into someone's life, you know. Uh, you try to come to me and tell me what work for, and I don't even know you. I mean, I'm not going to listen to you. You know, um, he might even be saying the right things. You know, you, you know, respect has to be earned in a sense. At the same point in time, at the beginning of the, the section, he talks about authority and where, you know, again, not to be picky, but a lot of young people don't understand authority. There's a lot of older people that understand authority either. You know, and not everyone has authority to speak into my life. And uh, the devil definitely, definitely doesn't have that authority unless I let him, you know. And um, there's certain people who don't have authority to speak my life in different areas of my life, you know. Part of me is like, who do you think you are? And so, you know, and as a pastor, I realize that. You know, I have a ministry as a, just as a brother in Christ. I know I don't have the authority to speak in everybody's life, you know. That's one thing nice about social media, you know, you, you make the choice to, to, to stop scrolling and listen, you know. You, uh, some of you who've been listening every week, we have almost 7,000 uh, people who view us each week now, you know. Uh, it's on Facebook, it's on YouTube, it's on our website, it's on other, some other social medias. Uh, there's a, uh, I know, a whole school of stuff that we're on there. I know, I'm not forcing them to watch it. It's their, their choice to listen to this. And I'm just trying to make a point, you know, piggybacking on what he's saying here. <clears throat> with evangelism, with ministry, you know, you don't have authority to necessarily speak in everybody's life. And I say, you earned that right. Unless you've been granted that permission, you know. And so, uh, but it just, uh, anyway, uh, by the same point in time, we, you know, something about, just because I say that, though, I believe everyone needs to have a pastor. I think everyone needs to have a mentor. Everyone needs to have people who are allowed to speak in life. And Andrew has a very, and I believe that, that speaking into your life is going to be a very small list. Jesus had the multitudes, he had the 70, he had the 12, and then he had the 3, and then he had the 1. You know, and so he didn't do anything he didn't see his father doing. At that same point in time, 
you know, I think everyone needs to have friendships, but people have to have close friends. People have to have good relationships. And, you know, even I think I was saying a minute ago, Andrew has people in his life. He says, you have authority to speak into my life. And that's a very small list. And, but he has people to speak in life. We have people. In this ministry, we have a board. All those, all, every board member has the right to speak into our lives regarding this ministry, regarding what we do as pastors, but not, you know, and so, uh, and sometimes the minority will be the right voice, and they're different people. When we've had major issues, we, we go to our pastors and mentors, we go to our board, usually, if it's ministry-related Many times, even at the HBR, we still go to our parents, and just because we both got good, godly parents, that so we will go to them and bounce things off of them, especially if it's something big. And so, you know, in, in years past, we've had some slander, we've had some uh, attacks, and every time those things happen, we went to our mentors, we went to our board, and we went to our parents every single time. And so, you know, I was taught that way. Uh, a police officer friend who was also a minister years ago he just told me to do that and I've always done that and so uh, I just have learned that years ago and, uh, and I've always done that he said if you ever get called in the cross have a question whether you're guilty or whether you're innocent make uh, ha have accountability system in place where you can be transparent and, uh, and let you, you know if you're a pastor let your board know let your wife know let your Media family know, you know, and I can tell all my family, my relatives, but uh, my pa our parents are going to know, and our board, <coughs> you, you know, uh, and so I, I find that wise, I find that safe. Now, I'm not going to necessarily announce on Facebook, I'm not going to announce to our church, I'm not going to announce to everyone we know, everything that's going on, and all the details, but I am going to, especially if I'm accused of something, uh, whether I, I'm guilty or whether I'm innocent, I'm going to let certain things know. What, what's the point why I'm sharing all that? Because I, I've given them authority in my life. I've given them authority in my life into, in certain areas to let them know. And uh, I'm not hiding anything behind the back. You know, especially when there's been slander and gossip and heresy going on, I'm going to bring it to the light. You know, uh, and if you, you know, you know, I think I, you weaken the army, you weaken the enemy when you bring it to the light. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. But <coughs> I'm just saying, I'm, I'm trying to pick you back on the part that I give certain people authority in my life, and uh, and so um, now I've also had, for example, even board members. I've had that board members who have abused that, and and we let them go, uh, and so they've abused that to a certain level uh, or whatnot. Um, you know, we just, if you abuse that, then I just don't trust you in that area, you know, and so, uh, and so, anyway, um, I'm just speaking candidly uh, from my position, but your position might be a little different, you know, we all need to have people speak in our lives, but not everyone has permission to speak in our lives, okay, I don't think you need to have 20 pastors, I think it's okay to have a small handful, uh, which is probably two or three of the most but uh, at that point in time, I don't think we need to uh, have a lot of voice. You know, you can have a lot, too many voices in your life, and that, that's not healthy, that's not good. Yes, there is wisdom in the council, and multitude council, but that multitude can't be, you know, a whole, uh, it can't be a whole school. <laughs> it's going to be a, a small 
I counsel people. So, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I know we only got started with uh, Andrew's point uh, of this, uh, but I want to keep reading because he clarifies some things about this. Uh, so, please continue to to listen to what Andrew has to say, uh, so you can get you know his his point that he's trying to make. But in the section, Who Are You, in chapter 8. Well, in Kansas City once, a guy came up to me after a meeting and started railing on my wife. He said, if you were a man of God, you'd straighten this out. You'd make her do this and that and this other thing. Then he started criticizing and giving me all of his opinions about how my wife should dress. If you knew Jamie, you'd know that my wife is a very conservative dresser. She never wears anything inappropriate. There was nothing wrong with her. This guy just had a bunch of legalistic religious opinions about jewelry, makeup, hairstyles that he was trying to force on us. Basically, I stopped him right in the middle of his tirade asking, who are you? He told me his name and I said, no, I mean, who gave you the right to, to speak to us this way? You have no dominion, no right, and no authority over my wife. God did not die and appoint you to take his place. You're nobody. I don't care what your opinion is. Of course, this guy was highly offended. His attitude was, how dare you speak to me that way? But since he had the audacity to confront me, rail on my wife, and tell me what to do, I just decided to respond in kind. Mister, you have no authority in my life. I would never just walk in and start telling the President of the United States what to do. It's not because I feel inferior. It's not because I don't believe God has given me some valuable things to say. I just recognize that I have to earn that right. He would have to request it. I'm not his superior. I can't just force my way in and start spouting opinions. It's the same for a mail clerk in a business. You may have some ideas that would work, but you can't just barge into the CEO's office and start telling them what to do. You must remain under authority. Now, if they're a good CEO, they'd encourage your feedback. They'd e even occasionally go to the hourly workers and ask, what do you think? But really, it's his choice to ask for input. You don't have the right, the authority, to just go up to the CEO and start spouting off. I would never go up to one of the ministers I see on television or hear on the radio and just start rebu rebuking them, telling them things that I disagree with them about. I've listened to some of them, and they are absolutely wrong on some points. God has shown me some truths in his word that could help them, but I respect them enough to wait to be invited in. I'm not their supervisor. They don't submit to me. We don't have that kind of rapport built up. I'd never do such a thing. However, every day someone does that to me, whether it be in a letter, a phone call, an email, or in person, Someone who considers themselves to be the official standard of what's right and wrong reams me up one side and down the other. They've never witnessed to anyone, never seen someone set free, never done anything for the Lord, yet they think that they know it all. If they just understand authority, they would stop these kinds of abuses and realize that they have to earn the right to speak in someone's life. I've told my Bible stu school students before, there are some things I know about some of you sitting here right now, problems in your life. However, these problems are outside of school and you haven't come to me about them. If 
we haven't built a rapport to where I feel like you've opened up to me and given me the freedom to candidly speak to you, then I won't come to you and talk to you about these kinds of things. It's not my place. It's none of my business. I'll deal with things that affect people while they're at school, but I'm not going to pry into their personal life. Some folks think, well, that's wrong. You ought to get more involved. No, I believe it's wrong for you to stick your nose into other people's business. It really does come down to authority. This is good stuff. You know, if you really listen to this, you know, this, 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 will, help. <laughs> this will help protect a lot of wars and rumors and, and uh, all kinds of uh, junk where some of us have just stuck our noses in the wrong and uh, in someone else's business. And I appreciate how that, uh, you know, and you respond to this guy who was again to uh, just give us a case about his wife. I and mean, anybody who knows Jamie, and like my wife, she's very conservative in her dress and she's never been out of bounds from what I've seen and, and not even close. And so, and uh, at the same point in time, I, I appreciate how you just stopped and you know, thought, you know, I don't know who you are. You have no authority in my life. I don't even care about your opinion. And if, if I don't know you, you know, I've had a lot of, I don't have as many, nearly as many, much critiques as Andrew does, but I do get critiques once in a while, uh, you know, because we're on social media and whatnot. You know, if I don't know you, I really don't care about your critiques. Now, you might challenge something that I just said in my message. I understand that. That's a different story. But if you're going to critique about something in my life that I don't even know you, you know, I've had so many people from other countries saying, God told me that you're supposed to send me money. Well, God didn't tell me that. <laughs> and who are you? How do you know my situation? How do you know what I'm supposed to do? Well, you're in America. You have money. You don't know that. You have no way of knowing that. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's your, you know, that's the first, uh, first conversation you're going to have is asking me money. And you don't even get to know me. Then, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, that's not how we're going to start the conversation. That's not how we're going to start a relationship for you to tell me that I have to give you money. I don't know you. I don't know what you're going to do with it. You can send me pictures. I don't open pictures on Messenger. People send me pictures all the time. That's how, that's how people get hacked. I don't do that. Uh, and so if you send me a picture of your Messenger, unless I know you and I know that you send it to me, I'm not going to open it. You know, it just, I don't. I, you know, I just, that's not how I do that, you know, um, and so, anyway, um, you know, people, I don't use Messenger hardly at all, and yeah, I get a lot of people sending me Messenger things, and, you know, they, you know, I just, I, one, if I answered them, I would never get anything else done, because I get hundreds of them, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have time for all that, and I know that sounds a little mean, but not. But I have to draw the line somewhere. And maybe there's some potential ministries out there, but God hasn't called me to that uh, right now in this season. And so I just, I know what God's called me to, and that's not one of the things he's called me to do right now. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit, but anyway. No, but, but just the whole point of, you know, who speaks into your life and, and who doesn't. And I really want to read this next section uh, before we close tonight. But, you know, if, if, if people like this gentleman that, that Andrew used as an example are, are just wanting to speak into your life out of judgment, you know, that's wrong. 
You don't know someone's backstory. You don't know what goes behind the scenes. You don't know what God's talking to them already about. And for you to to jump in to 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 for your opinions or to to get on them or whatever. I mean, that's you know that's uh, that that is to quote Andrew. That's totally out of line. Um, but I want I want to read this last section because we're almost out of time and, and I want to you know to be able to let Dave uh, speak on this as well but in this section called defeated God is a God of authority he set structure in place and he's not going to circumvent it when one of my employees disagrees with a superior I tell the person go to your superior and talk to them about it don't circumvent the superior by coming to me and trying to get me to counter their opinion it works better this way that's how God is. He established authority, and we need to recognize that God himself obeys it. He would not intervene in the affairs of men until he became a man. Once he took upon himself the former flesh, then he had the authority to take it to the devil. That's good news. Satan didn't get his authority directly from God. He doesn't have a superior angelic power that he uses over the human race. The devil was stripped of all his angelic power and authority. The power and authority that Satan has used to rule this earth has been mankind's authority that God gave them, and they then turned over to Satan. Understanding that Satan can do nothing in your life without your consent and cooperation puts him down on a plane to where he isn't a superior foe. As a master deceiver, he's still a threat because he can lie to you. You must know the truth and be on guard, but you can resist him. I know I can win this battle. I can take the power and authority that God has given me and confront the devil. I'm not ignorant of him, but I'm no longer afraid of him either. I've seen awesome things happen just because I recognize that Satan has been defeated. Alright, go ahead, Connor, because I know we're basically out of time, so I don't have a lot of time to comment on this today. Uh, so we'll probably reread this section next week, but go ahead and comment for now. Well, just the whole point of God has this authority structure in place for us that he gave mankind this authority. And it's not, he's not an Indian giver. He's not uh, schizophrenic, as Andrew likes to point out. When God gives a gift, he doesn't take it aback. People people like to quote Job and say, but, but you know, uh, God gives and he, and he takes away. I could really go off topic on that one. Uh, Job didn't have the uh, revelation that we do now of who God is and how God operates. He didn't have the Holy Spirit uh, teaching him about God. He, uh, I don't want to go off topic. God gives good gifts. If that was how God operated, we would have verse upon verse upon verse of how God does that. But Job was just talking. That That's all Job knew at that time. But when God gives his word, when he makes covenant with us, when he gives a promise, he doesn't take it back. He gives good gifts. He does not do any kind of unrighteousness or that list of, of things that that Dave quoted uh, from from Dwayne Sheriff that 
God can't lie. Uh, he can't sin. He can't do evil. Uh, God does not go back on his word. And he has set up authority. He has given mankind authority. Mankind lost that through Adam and Eve, through Satan's uh, deception in the Garden of Eden. And if you listen to, to Greg Fritz, he explains it very well about how it's not just uh, Adam and Eve who gets to blame for that. It's mankind. Again, not a, I don't want to go off on a rabbit trail, but God has set up authority on this earth for mankind. Yes, there are angels. There are angelic beings that God created, but they don't have authority over mankind. Mankind has the authority over the earth. If you read in Genesis, God specifically tells mankind what that authority entails. We have authority over, over the earth. And Satan, who lost his uh, angelic powers and everything that, that he ha had at one time, he had to deceive Adam and Eve for them to give that God-given authority, uh, for them to give it to him so that he could have that power. That's why he's called the, the God, little d, over this earth. And, oh, I want to keep on going, but we're, we're out of time. We're going to uh, pick this up next week and get into more detail on it. And, you know, if you're picking up this up, you know, uh, this time around, go back to... That our website, like Dave said, so you can see the, the previous ones or get Andrew's book for yourself. Uh, so you can read up and, and, and uh, hear our hearts so you're not uh, just mid-topic. Uh, Alright, well, let me just play it out because we're, we're out of time for the day. So we'll pick this up next week and we'll probably reread this section. But Lord, we worship you. We just thank you for the crops. And Lord, teach us what it means to walk in the authority that you've given us. And how to walk, Lord, with the, uh, learn how we have and don't have authority in, in certain people's lives. You know, we have to learn that. Teach us how to, to act that way. And teach us about authority in general. So we are respecting and have the proper voices in place in our own lives. But we worship you. We magnify you in the name of Jesus. Bless this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.